Good evening. Welcome to our service this evening at Forest Fold. A uh, special welcome to Tim Burden and his wife. Thank you for coming up to preach for us this evening. Uh, welcome to if you're on your li- online, and we know that a number of people are today uh, off with different sicknesses and uh, not so well at the moment. So we're especially glad for this uh, facility so that you can join with us and uh, welcome everyone. Well, this morning we were we were thinking of, of Jesus, who was denied by Peter, who was despised by the soldiers, who was questioned by the chief priests and elders. And uh, this verse stuck out for me in verse 69, where Jesus, in reply, said, But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And uh, in that present situation, when he said that, nothing looked further from the truth, did it? As he was suffering. Um, But we know that Jesus did indeed lay down his life. He championed over death. He rose again. And now he sits in the place of honour. And our first hymn, we're going to declare that and affirm that together to encourage each other. Our faith that Jesus is Lord. Name of all majesty, fathomless mystery. King of the angels, by angels adored. Let's stand to sing.
us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, help us as we join together now in prayer. And uh, we want to follow on in that note of praise. As we think of Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't uh, consider it something to be grasped for his own benefit, but laid it all aside, humbled himself, becoming, becoming like a servant, even to the point of death. Oh Lord, what, what a great drop uh, you descended from into this world of sin, so that you could be our saviour. And uh, God the Father has raised him to the highest position, has exalted him, uh, so much so that one day every knee that has that has ever walked this earth will bow before Jesus, and every tongue that has spoken and even not spoken will confess that Jesus is Christ to the glory of God the Father. What a great day that will be, when all glory that uh, should have been given to you from this planet will one day at last come to you. We know that many will unwillingly bow their knee. Many will unwillingly confess and will still be enraged against you. But Lord, they will have to admit that you are king. And Lord, as we look around this world that we live in, it doesn't look like you're in charge that much. It doesn't look like your kingdom is growing hugely. But Lord, we cling on in this in-between phase of your ascension and your return. We cling on to the words of Jesus. We cling on to the truth of the Bible, knowing that one who has laid down his life and has power over death and has risen again, indeed will return again, as he will be faithful to his word. So Lord, we look with eagerness to that day and we we just ask for the grace from, from now till then, however long that might be for each of our lives, that we may live a life that honours you, that we may live a life that displays something of what a true Christian is so that we don't put a poor light on what Christ has done for us. But indeed, we reflect something of his love to others who are lost and who are alone without Christ. Lord, empower us and strengthen us. And we pray for the grace that has saved us. We thank you for that and ask for the grace that keeps us day by day. Lord, how much we need that. How much we need that in the everyday, sometimes monotony of our lives, but certainly in whatever we're doing, in the struggles, in the trials, in the disappointments, in times of poverty, in times of wealth, in times when we're encouraged and feel that we are progressing as Christians, as we thought this morning, take heed if you think you stand, unless you fall. And Lord, so much, we need your support, we need your strength, we need your empowering. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is within us if we're Christians, uh, but too often our sin uh, distances us from you, and we don't realise and feel that sense of your presence. So Lord, help us to fight the fight and to walk closely with you. Then we will know your presence as you have promised to draw near to us as we walk with you. So Lord, help us through the good times, the difficult times. Help us to know that you are with us throughout them. Lord, we thank you that 
your kingdom is indeed growing and that many are coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for the church worldwide and uh, really the the 12 disciples really are a good reflection of, of what the church is like in our own land, in the world. Uh, people who fail, people who are disjointed in so many ways, people who are really hypocritical at times and always oh, sinners. And yet, Lord, do work through your church. Do work through us who are failures to bring about the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray for churches that are struggling, that are few in number. We ask that there'll be encouragement from them as they seek to reach the community around them. We pray for churches who are persecuted and are suffering in that way. Embolden them, Lord, and give them uh, great courage to openly live their Christian lives and to continue faithfully in serving you. We pray this coming week for the student seminars over at Cyprus and we commit them to you and pray that they will be a really useful uh, time for those students. Many of them young Christians, many of them with so much to learn and we ask that this week will be a time when they are rooted and grounded in your truth. Help those who speak and preach and lecture. We ask that you'd give them a passion for your word and a clarity in speaking. We pray for the Hope Explored course this coming week and we ask that that will go ahead well. We pray that those who are starting the course again will uh, settle in and will there will be a, a great uh, interest in um, the Bible, in the truth of Christianity. We pray for Jane that you would help her and encourage her in that. We pray for many opportunities to arise out of that. Thank you for the way that the different ministries of the church connect together of First Steps and Sunday School and First Tuesdays. We pray your blessing on them as we uh, are starting in this new year. We pray for strength for those who are serving. We pray for helpers uh, to help with the work. We pray, Lord, to know your help and your blessing through these times. Lord, our aim and our goal is not to fill seats in our church, uh, but to bring people into your kingdom. And Lord, we know that we're helpless to do that, but we want to serve you faithfully as best as we can, knowing our failures, knowing our shortcomings, knowing our inabilities, and we rest on you, our strength and our help. So Lord, we commit to you this evening. We thank you for Tim. We pray for uh, itinerant preachers who go around to different churches. We'll do encourage them and uh, bless them and make them a great blessing to those they preach to. Help, help him as he preaches from this part of your word this evening in Romans. We pray for John and Mark. Lord, we ask that you would greatly encourage them to help them in their times of preparing to preach to us. Lord, it is through uh, hearing your word that people come to faith. And we hear your word through those who preach. And so, to that end, we pray for the mighty work of the Spirit in the preaching that happens here. So help John and Mark to that end. We pray for all preachers who are faithfully sticking to your word when it is uh, so unpopular to do so in so many situations. Build them up and strengthen, we pray. Keep them from 
the attack of the evil one who would give them doubts, who would bring discouragement, who would bring opposition. Lord, help them to find strength from you, we pray. Lord, our lives are full of good things. Our lives are full of your blessings. Every good gift comes from you, and we want this evening to give thanks. Help us through this coming week, we pray. Give us strength where we feel weak. Give us wisdom where we're unsure. Guide us and lead us, Lord, we pray, to serve you, to go about our daily lives honourably and as a good witness to Jesus Christ. Bless our young people and our children. We pray for those who have no clue about what they want to do in the future and times of deciding are coming upon them. Lord, we ask that you'd open up different avenues in their lives where they will be useful and live their short lives usefully for you. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing our second hymn, and then Ray will take the Bible reading for us. Great is the gospel of our glorious God, where mercy met the anger of God's rod. A penalty was paid and pardon bought, and sinners lost at last to him were bought.
Our reading this evening is from Romans chapter 3, and we're starting from verse 14 and reading down to the end of verse 30. So that's Romans chapter 3 and verse 14. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Amen. Thank you, Ray. Before Tim preaches for us, we're going to sing again. Jesus, keep me near the cross, there a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain.
Thank you for your welcome among you this evening here at Forest Fold. We trust that God will uh, bless us as we turn to his word. Let's join our hearts in prayer together. Let us pray. Most merciful God, we thank you that the one thing we can boast about is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of your grace to us in him. Nothing of ourselves, but everything about Jesus is worthy of giving praise and honour and glory to. May each of our hearts delight in Jesus and your wonderful grace towards us in him. Help us as we turn to your word, for we ask your help in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Our text from the Word of God this evening are very uh, familiar uh, verses to those who uh, know the Bible. They're Romans chapter 3 and verses 22 to 24. Let me read them to you. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Never could anyone order a more precious gift from Amazon or from eBay or from the most exclusive retail outlet than the gift that is spoken about in our text No delivery service could match the kind of delivery service of this gift that we find in this text. And no gift ever comes with the guarantees. No gift can match the enjoyment. No gift can last as long as the gift that we read about in our text. Till the world ends, uh, this gift will never be exhausted. The supply of this gift will never be exhausted. You'll never have something come up uh, before you saying, only two remaining. It's always available, and it will never be exhausted, however many people uh, apply and receive this gift. And the one thing that you need to be concerned about this evening is to make sure that you receive this gift. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to embrace this gift and receive it from God. So in these verses, Romans 3, verse 22 to 24, we read about the gift and the guaranteed method of delivery. That's verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And then the availability is the next uh, point. The availability is for all. And then why everybody needs it. Availability and need. Verse 22 and 23. For all who believe. There's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then in the next verse, verse 24, you read about the cost of this gift to us. And the price 
of this gift to the giver. We are justified by his grace as a gift. It doesn't cost us anything. But it's through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. It was a very expensive thing for him to secure. So let's look at these things uh, more closely. Firstly, the gift. The gift is clearly labelled. It's already been advertised in the whole catalogue of scripture from Genesis to Malachi. Uh, Paul says it's been testified to. The law and the prophets bear witness to it. You can scan the pages of the Old Testament and the gift is there. It's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's on its way. It's being advertised there in the Old Testament scriptures. And this gift is the righteousness of God. That's how the our set of texts begins. The righteousness of God. Many gifts, when you first get them, you look at the packaging and you think, well, what is it? What does it do? And uh, you may be quite perplexed sometimes by some gifts. It takes some time to work out what they actually are. And this gift, when you first read the label, the righteousness of God, uh, you might be a little bit confused. Well, what's that? And uh, what good is that to me? Martin Luther, uh, which you may know from history lessons at school if you were awake, uh, or films that you may have watched, was a monk in the Roman Catholic Church. And God used him in the 16th century reformation of the church, the Protestant reformation of the church. And uh, this phrase was a big problem for Martin Luther. When he first read this phrase, the righteousness of God, he recoiled from it. Because for him, he saw it through the eyes of a sinner. And he saw it as a reference to God's cold as steel executioner's sword. The righteousness of God that will slay the sinner. He saw it as a condemned man. To him... It was an inescapable prison. And uh, the righteousness of God caught him every time he tried to escape from this prison of sin. Whatever he tried to do, the righteousness of God would say, not good enough, not good enough, you're condemned. He saw this term only as a description of the attribute of God, the an unchangeable attribute of God, whereby God never deviates from righteousness. He will always act in accord with his holiness, his justice. And so the righteousness of God was this attribute of God, which meant he would always, always, always punish sin. And so Martin Luther recoiled at the thought of it, he would say to those who were trying to help him, "Love you call it? You're asking me to love God?" He said, "I hate him. I hate him for this inescapable righteousness of God." Well, God moved Martin Luther. He moved him from 
his monk's cell to his university, where he was to become a teacher of the Bible, a lecturer in the scriptures. It was a very good move. And so Martin Luther began to study the scriptures. He studied the Psalms. He lectured on the Psalms. He began to study Romans. And as he studied Romans, he came up against this nemesis phrase, the righteousness of God. But now he had the the, the necessity of getting to grips with it, of trying to understand it, of analysing it looking at it in the context in which it's brought in the book of Romans. And as he studied it, he realised that he'd been mistaken in treating it exclusively and always as a reference to the attribute of God. It does mean the attribute of God. And even in this passage later on, that's what it refers to. But not in this text, and not in many other texts, where you read the righteousness of God. The Lord Jesus who opened blind eyes of sinners opened the spiritual eyes of Martin Luther as he studied this passage and he saw for the first time what this text and many other texts referred to when it spoke about the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God was not this iron-clad, inflexible attribute of God whereby he would always punish sin. It's the righteousness that God provides as a gift to sinners. A very different thing. The righteousness that God provides as a gift to sinners. So that every sinner who receives this gift is justified. It's as if they hear God pronounce a verdict on them. It's as if they come into God's presence on their knees, in their hearts, bowing before God and believing upon Jesus Christ. They hear God's verdict about them. As they receive this gift of the righteousness of God, they hear God say, in my sight, you're righteous. I just see you now that you've got this gift of mine. I just see you as righteous in my sight. When I was a a boy in Sunday school, my Sunday school teacher uh, began to explain what it means to be justified. And he used a very simple uh, breakdown of the word. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Well, I appreciated that. When when, when the sinner comes into the presence of God, having received this gift, the righteousness of God, God sees them as righteous. So he looks upon me just as if I'd never sinned. It's a wonderful thing, total forgiveness. As I uh, left Sunday school and grew up, I I realised that that's only a, a fraction of what it means to be justified. It's more than that. It's just as if I'd kept every part of God's law. It's just as if I had satisfied the entire demands of God's law. Not only the demands of me obeying and doing the right things, but also paying the penalty against my sins that that law demands. It's just as if I'd met all the righteous demands of God's law. It's just as if I'd never sinned. 
total forgiveness. It's just as if I was totally righteous, uh, deserving of heaven. It's just as if I was Jesus, standing in the presence of the Father. Which it, that's what it is, really. Because this righteousness of God is Jesus' righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus that God gives as a gift. Luther, as he studied the passage, he could scarcely believe his newly opened spiritual eyes. He scanned all of the scriptures. He went through all of the pages of the Old Testament trying to find this reference. I mean, Paul says here, this righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. It's not the righteousness that you get by keeping the law. It's different from that. And it's witnessed to by the law and the prophets. So Luther went back and he went through the law and he went through the prophets. Righteousness of God. Righteousness. Yes! It's exactly as I I've, I've not been mistaken. This righteousness of God is a gift. A gift to me of God's righteousness. A righteousness which he has prepared, he's produced, he's uh, put together for me as a gift so that I can stand in his presence justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd met every demand of all his law. And just as if I was Jesus himself. Luther says uh, in response that I felt myself to have been reborn and to have gone through the open doors of paradise. No longer a sort of condemned sinner in a cell waiting God's righteousness to slay him, but with this gift of righteousness, if the cell door had opened, as if heaven had opened and he was welcomed into the presence of God. That's what it means if you, if you look back to verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in the sight of God. There's no way that anybody here, anybody throughout history, could ever have been looked upon by the Father as just as if they'd never sinned. Just as if they'd kept all the law. Nobody could do that by keeping the law. Because the law simply highlights sin. But now, the righteousness of God, which enables someone to be justified... That's been unveiled. It's been on the production line. It's been promised, been planned, right through the Old Testament. Now it's been produced. And now it's been unveiled. The righteousness of God by which somebody can be justified has been manifested. It's not by the law. It's apart from the law. It's the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus' righteousness. The gift is this gift of Jesus' own keeping of the law. Jesus' own obedience to the law. And Jesus' own paying the the full penalty of the law on behalf of the sinners. It's that righteousness which God gives. Gives. That's the gift. And no amount of grit and grind of trying to keep the law will ever bring you to be righteous in God's sight. Now, I open by saying, there's no gift on Amazon, no gift on eBay, no gift from any exclusive retailer that will ever match this gift. The gift of the righteousness of God for you. So that you 
can stand in the presence of God, the judge of all men. And even though you are a sinner, you can stand in the presence of this God. And because of this gift, which God gives, you will never, ever be condemned. You will never, ever come under the penalty of God's holy, righteous justice. You will be completely forgiven. You'll be treated as if you'd kept the whole law. You'll be treated just as if you were Jesus Christ. You'll be welcomed into heaven and have a place in heaven for all eternity. Just as Jesus has a place in heaven for all eternity, that's what you will have to receive this gift. Now, any Amazon outlet give you that gift? No. This is extraordinary. It's the very heart of the gospel. The gospel is all about God providing a righteousness. Remember Paul at the beginning of Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. The Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God from heaven is revealed uh, from faith to faith. As it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the very heart of the gospel. And Luther had a heart for the heart of the gospel. God opened his heart. He saw this gift. He received this gift and he proclaimed it. And the world has never been the same since. Do you have a heart for the heart of the gospel? Do you in your heart say, that's the gift I need. That's the gift I'd love to have. Well, have a heart for the heart of the gospel. How is the gift delivered? How is it delivered into your heart? Well, the text tells us, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. As if the doorbell of your soul rang. And you're inside, shut up with all your sin. Everything's a bit of a mess. And you don't want anybody peering into your soul or entering into your soul. But the doorbell keeps ringing. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And you, you know it's Jesus calling you away from your sin to receive this gift of salvation. It's a, a delivery of this gift. But inside is such a mess. All this sin littered around and the sin that you've accumulated over the years. And it's so embarrassing. But the letterbox opens and Jesus calling through the letterbox of your soul. I can make you clean. Don't worry about the mess. I can make you clean. And the the word echoes through your soul. Clean, clean, clean. What a wonderful thing to be clean. But still you don't open your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus calls again. I can set you free. 
If the Son shall make you free, you really will be free. And the, the word freedom, freedom from the power of sin, joins with the, the wonderful word of clean, clean, and free, clean and free. They, they sort of harmonize together and they ring in your soul and Jesus' voice rings through you. I can make you clean. I can set you free. And then the, the chains of sin clink and tighten around you and say, don't open to him. And then the Lord Jesus Christ speaks again through the letterbox of your soul. Come to me and I will give you rest. Learn of me and you'll find rest for your soul. Rest. All this restlessness of guilt and shame and alienation from God. And Jesus says, I can give you rest. You're not accustomed to opening the door to people you don't know enough about. And who is this Jesus who's knocking at the door of your soul, wanting access to deliver this gift of righteousness? Who is this Jesus? Well, you'll find that he's so wonderful that it took the whole Bible to introduce him to us. We'll know him through eternity if we're saved by him. But the Bible is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's quite a big book and it's quite concise in what it says. And yet Jesus is so wonderful it took the whole Bible to speak to us about him. Moses and the prophets, they all bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find that he is God the Son sent into the world from heaven to save sinners. That's the person knocking at the door of your soul, saying, I can make you clean. I can set you free. I can give you rest. It's the Son of God sent into the world. His mission, should he choose to accept it, was to save sinners. He accepted the mission and he came. He humbled himself from his position of deity, worshipped by myriads of angels. He humbled himself and was born in a stable, laid in a manger and grew up as a little boy. He came as a man to triumph against every sin, every temptation. To defeat the powers that we crumble before. To live a perfect life and to provide a perfect righteousness. God the Father saying, I've got, I want to prepare uh, a gift for sinners. I want to prepare perfect righteousness. Righteousness from me that I can give to them. And you, my son, are to go to earth and produce this perfect righteousness. Total obedience. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Who is this person? It's Jesus. The perfectly holy child of Bethlehem. The perfectly holy man from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, Nathaniel found out that Jesus came 
and he was perfect. He came to die as if he himself were condemned. Yet he would be dying to pay the debt of thousands and millions of others. His mission was to rise from the dead, triumphant over death and to open the doors of heaven so that others could return with him into paradise. The doorbell of your soul rings once more. It's the risen Lord, Jesus Christ, delivering the gift of God, God's righteousness, that he's prepared, which Jesus Christ has produced by his own personal life, by his own personal obedience, total obedience. And this gift can be yours if you receive Jesus Christ, faith in him, open your heart to Jesus Christ, receive him as Lord and Saviour. So as he rings the doorbell and you know that in your mess you need him, Don't wait to tidy up the mess. By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. You can't put it right. He is the one who can clear up the mess, make you clean, so that when God sees you, he sees you as totally righteous and clean. To believe upon him. That's how the gift is delivered. Now, can it be for you? Could this astonishing gift be for you? Well, look at the availability. And uh, remember, everybody needs this gift. For all who believe. This gift is for all who believe. Doesn't matter what their background is what their situation is, for all who believe this gift will be given. There's no distinction. No distinction. doesn't matter whether you were brought up as a Gentile, whether you were brought up as a strict Orthodox Jew. doesn't matter. There's no distinction. This gift is for all who believe. For the rich, for the poor, for the people with an IQ which is uh, way up there and for those of us who are a bit more uh, normal. This, this gift is for us. It's for all who believe. There's no distinction. No one who believes will fail to receive this gift. God doesn't have a secret blacklist excluding individuals who want to believe and be saved. But God's got a secret blacklist. Says, uh, I know they want to believe, but not this one. No. It's for all who believe. He doesn't have a list of ethnic groups who will not be blessed by this gift, even though they may want to. The gift is available for everyone. For all who believe. There's no distinction whatsoever. If you're tempted to say uh, that I don't need this astonishing gift, well, 
Listen to what the text says about people who need it. There's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may fall short in your examinations by one percent. If only I'd studied a bit harder, if only I'd revised a bit harder, if only I'd gone to bed a bit earlier the night before the exam, maybe I would have got that one percent and got through, but I've fallen short and I've missed the grade and the university won't accept me without that grade. You've fallen short. Well, never mind, said the teacher. You did your best. You can resit. Or even the university, so desperate to take your money uh, as a tuition fees, say, well, look, we appreciate you only missed by 1%. So, you know, you can make an appeal and we'll see what we can do. And you get welcomed onto the course, even though you, you fell short by 1%. But it's not like that with sin. It's not like that with the righteous, unchangeable standard of God. And every single one of us falls short by the works of the law. No one can be justified. Every one of us falls short. And there's no reset. If we've fallen short, we've fallen short. And you can't take another jump. In the Olympics, you get these, you know, best of five jumps or something like that. No, if you've fallen short of God's holy standard, then God's inflexible, unchanging holiness condemns. That's why you need this gift. You will never, ever be good enough for God. You will always, always fall short. You may think, well, I only fell short by a little bit. My whole life, 99%, that's a high percentage, 99% of my life, you might think, was pretty good. It's just a little bit of my life, just one area. I kept falling short there, but surely God should take into account the 95% of the others. No. The falling short is the falling short, and... The sin must be punished. So everybody needs this gift. You need it. I need it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Jesus Christ for all who believe. It's available to everybody who will believe. And nobody who believes will be disappointed and turned away. Everybody who believes, there's no difference. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we're justified. This is the, the cost of the gift, the third point. The cost of the gift. Well, it's, it's a free gift. The cost to us is zero. The price to Jesus cannot be measured. But the cost to us is zero. We are justified. It's 
just as if I'd never sinned, total forgiveness, just as if I'd completed all the demands of God's law, obeying and suffering the penalty. It's through, by his grace, as a gift, a gift. It won't cost you anything. You can receive it freely. It will change your life. It may cost you friends. It might cost you promotion. It might cost you suffering and persecution. But that's not a contributing cost to the gift itself. That's a consequence of receiving the gift. The gift is free to us. But the price of it cannot be measured. The price Jesus had to pay, it's through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption is a word that speaks about liberating at a price. So a slave could be redeemed at a price. A prisoner of war could be redeemed at a price. A forfeited piece of land and property could be redeemed at a price. The word redemption is liberation. Freedom, restoration at a price. And our freedom from condemnation, our freedom from sin, our liberation, our restoration to God is free to us. But it comes at a price to Jesus Christ. Which is where the cross comes in. The price Jesus had to pay was the price of paying the penalty of our sin. It cost him the humiliation of coming down to earth and clothing himself in human form. We might think it's pretty great to be human. What a glorious creature man is upon this planet. But for Jesus to clothe himself in humanity, the creator clothed in a creature garb, what humiliation. And then the Lord Jesus Christ having to Resist temptation, the insult of God being tempted by Satan. Not that God himself is tempted, but Jesus, the person, tempted as a man. The cost of humiliation of Calvary. All his dignity stripped away. He is spat upon, beaten up, scourged laughed at total humiliation I can never read those verses in Mark's gospel where Herod and his men set Jesus at naught Herod and his soldiers crude men thinking of every way to humiliate Jesus and they had no more ways of doing it And Jesus had suffered this humiliation at their hands. And then the cross, bring its scenes before me. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. It cost him everything to secure this gift. He had to be obedient, obedient unto death, even the death on the cross, to secure this righteousness for us. And he was obedient. And death on the cross cost every muscle in his body, every sinew, every nerve 
given over to this suffering. It cost him everything. His whole being was devoted to securing this gift for us. And then not only was he physically giving everything of himself, but spiritually. He who had only ever, throughout all eternity, known the affection of his Father flowing to him. On the cross, in his person, as a human being, he experiences God the Father casting him into this outer darkness. It cost him everything. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, there was nothing more that Jesus could have given. Cursed is everyone that hangs upon the tree. This gift is absolutely astonishing. Free to us, costing Jesus everything. Do you have a heart for the heart of the gospel? The heart of the gospel is this gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Jesus obeyed perfectly. His life was totally righteous. Jesus paid completely all the penalty against sin. Perfectly. When he could die upon the cross, he could say, it is finished. This production of God's gift of righteousness is finished. The life of obedience unto death, even death on the cross, finished. Perfect righteousness. The penalty paid in full. All the demands of the law met. Perfect righteousness. The gift is complete. It costs him everything. It's free to you today. Do you have a heart for this gift? It's available to all. There's no distinction. God hasn't got a blacklist and said, not you tonight. No blacklist like that. For all who believe, this gift is available. It's delivered through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus calls you to trust him and this gift will be yours. It's from the grace of God through the liberating, costly work of Jesus Christ. May we all have hearts for the gospel and may we all, a little bit like Luther, have a little dance in our hearts. It was as if I'd been made a new creature and I, I, gates of heaven opened and I could go into the presence of God and it's just as if I were Jesus Christ and the love that God showers on Jesus Christ he, it was as if he was showering that on me not as if but actually is God receiving me as a forgiven liberated sinner despite all the sin that lies within me, the gift means I can stand in his presence. Let's close with prayer, let's pray, before we sing our hymn. Oh, generous God, may we each 
hear you speaking to us in our need of this wonderful gift. May we open our hearts to receive it, knowing that you don't have a blacklist that excludes us. But for all who believe, there will be this giving of the gift and receiving us graciously, accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. We ask your blessing in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to sing our closing hymn, Beneath the Cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. I gladly take my stand. Upgraded words. So let's join and sing together.
felt the Lord Jesus Christ ringing at the doorbell of your soul this evening. There's only one thing to do, and that's for you personally to, as it were, rise and open the door to him and talk to him, pray to him. Welcome him as your saviour and Lord and keep speaking to him. And he'll keep speaking to you and lead you on into the joys of his salvation. Let's join our hearts in prayer as we close together. Gracious God and Father in heaven, we thank you that you have found a ransom for our souls. You've provided it in the person of your Son. We pray that we may live, each one of us, in the joy of your generosity and come to know you more and more. Open the doors of heaven to us and open its windows. Pour down your blessing upon us and may we all, as it were, be walking in the path of heaven as we go on our homeward way. May your grace and your mercy and peace be with us each now and forevermore. Amen.